0: that support a positive well-being of the whole person, mind, body, and soul. With each interesting topic, I will be interviewing experts within that field as well as adding my own personal experiences. If you're looking for more happiness in your life, Bliss is the podcast for you. Dr. Alicia Farrell is a cognitive psychologist who meets with clients independently and also loves to share her knowledge through group workshops. She enjoys talking to parents about how to raise children that are responsible, determined, and have a great self-esteem. In this episode, Dr. Farrell and I talk specifically about anxiety, the monster among us. I hope this episode brings some clarity to your life, especially if you suffer from anxiety. Enjoy. Welcome to the Bliss Podcast, Dr. Farrell. Thank you for having me. I am so happy to have you here. Tell us about your professional journey. Did you always want to be a cognitive psychologist? No. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, my story is probably not that much
1: different from a lot of people's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started out in some, doing very, something very different. Mm -hmm. Um, My undergraduate degree is in public administration and journalism, and I thought I was going to follow in my father's footsteps and and do PR and marketing Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I did 10 years of work like that in corporate America and um, was very unhappy. So it was at that point that I decided I would go back and get my doctorate, Uh, and then I was a professor at George Mason University for uh, nine years, And um, and then we moved up here to Old Saybrook, Connecticut, which Mm -hmm. is where we're we're doing the podcast. And that's when I started my private practice and my professional speaking career. So it's been uh, it's been a very very cool journey.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy that you switched careers. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, I'm so happy to learn everything from you. Um, So today we're talking about anxiety and. I know sometimes people might get anxiety and feeling stressed or excited a little bit different. They might have a different idea of what those exactly mean. So can you explain to our listeners the difference between stress and anxiety?
1: Yeah. So this is a really important distinction to make because mm-hmm. in our culture right now, we're using the term anxiety oftentimes incorrectly. We're using it as a way of identifying stress. Mm -hmm. And it's important to know the difference and to use those terms correctly because anxiety is is irrationally based, Mm
0: -hmm. whereas
1: stress is rational. So let me explain to you the difference. So when somebody is, first of all, we're programmed as human beings to experience stress we're animals right and stress is what allows all those stress hormones to get flowing in our body and in our brain it helps us to get focused it helps us to be stronger it helps us to be more motivated mm-hmm. so stress is actually a positive thing it doesn't mean it necessarily always feels good right um, but it's something that we're we're, we're supposed to experience mm-hmm. It's usually stress is different from anxiety because it's associated with something that you can identify. It's right. associated with an event or a circumstance or something that's challenging you or mm-hmm. whatever. It's something you can say, oh, "I'm stressed because," right? You know, I you have can locate a- the reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you look at stress and anxiety on a continuum, there's a couple of different ways that you end up in the realm of anxiety. And there are moderate levels of anxiety where you still function relatively well. And then there are severe levels of anxiety where you don't function very well. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that you end up in anxiety is to be under a chronic amount of stress that isn't being attended to over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. That may then turn into anxiety, which means that your body is producing um a level of stress hormones that are actually toxic in the sense that they they build up in your brain, they shut down your ability to think well, Mm -hmm. to process well, to perform well. And then they may also change your your everyday behaviors. Mm -hmm. So socially you may withdraw Um, You may avoid things that cause you to feel that way because anybody who's had anxiety
0: Mm -hmm.
1: knows how excruciating it can be. Mm -hmm. It's really, really uncomfortable. In fact, I recently had a client who was dealing with some depression and he had an episode of anxiety and he came in and said, you know, I think I'd rather be depressed than anxious. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So anxiety can be mild. Mm-hmm. And it can come and go, or it can become chronic and actually be a disorder. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of how that continuum works. Unfortunately, in in this day and age, we're identifying stress oftentimes as anxiety,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is, it's, it's unfortunate for adults, and it's also uh, particularly unfortunate for children, mm-hmm. because they are learning that stress is bad, right? Right. And st- and stress is normal. Right. And what we need to be doing, and as adults and mm-hmm. with our children, is normalizing the fact that you're going to go through times that you feel this
0: way. Right. Yeah. You might feel uncomfortable right now, but it's because you're learning something new, maybe, exactly. or you're trying something that is put putting you in. in in your uncomfortable zone
1: yeah you know yes exactly yeah and you're you know you're confident enough you're powerful enough to work your way through it Mm -hmm. and get to the other side real anxiety
0: (laughs) I only laugh because I've I've experienced it it's horrible it is the worst feeling the entire I think I'd rather die than have that feeling yeah it's it's horrible And people that have
1: never had it don't understand.
0: I was that person. So up until about four or five years ago, I never had anxiety. And I am such a go-getter. I'm an adventurer. I mean, I'm trying this podcast. Never would I have thought I would do something like this and be able to sit here with you today. I mean, of course, I'm nervous. But those are normal, like, nerve feelings. Like, I now can determine the difference between being nervous and excited versus having anxiety. But... Until recently, or up until about four or five years ago, I would always think when somebody said, oh, I, you know, I have anxiety, I'm like, just get out of bed, what are you talking about? That's nothing, just go get a drink of water, you're tired, get up and go. And now, I had, I had my anxiety started because I tried something new. <laughs> I tried to move across country. And when I came back home unsuccessful, I had no money, barely had anywhere to live. I mean, of course, my family took care of me, but it wasn't my own home and i had thousands of dollars in credit card debt and i was like what did you just do to yourself you know I, I beat myself up about it to the point where my anxiety was so bad that i couldn't even go to the grocery store i couldn't get out of the car i could i would have i would shake holding the stroller just buying like almond milk like what is wrong with me like i'm buying almond milk there's no problem just keep going and i've you know found out later on that i I don't have anxiety as much as I used to. And I really think it's because my life is more stable now. And I think that that was, you know, in the past, that's what happened to me. And now I, when I hear people say they have anxiety, my heart goes out to them because I know exactly now what it feels like. And listeners, if you don't know what it feels like, I hope you never experience it because it's debilitating and you are stuck and you feel like there's no solution and (laughs) yeah, and and I'm sure you experienced this, Amy, but with anxiety,
1: everybody can tell you, you're fine, Mm -hmm. what are you so worried about, you're just going to get some almond milk. Right. You you know, your rational mind is saying, I know that. Right. But what you don't understand is that I have this uncontrollable response, it's getting triggered, Mm -hmm. and my body is reacting as if my life is at risk.
0: yes. I and, felt like I was going to die. And I don't understand <laughs> why either. I
1: don't. I can't tell you why it's happening.
0: Yeah, I
1: know. <laughs> yeah, and the trigger the yeah. trigger doesn't make sense, right? Right. So that's when you know that you're dealing with anxiety. The trigger doesn't make sense. It's yep. not a rational response. It's a completely overblown response to something that is not life-threatening, mm-hmm. yet
0: you feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, oh, it's because it's a big building. I'm in a grocery store, it's massive. I, you know, it's because the building is big. Amy, shut up. Like, is, that's not because the building is big. Or, you know, I would go into Home Depot and I remember there's one time I went into Home Depot to try to get garden fertilizer. And Alicia, I could not get through the building to go to the garden. I had to turn around and go back to my car and I cried. I called my boyfriend, my husband at the time, or my hus, my boyfriend, now my husband. And I'm still getting used to that. Um, and he, he's like, it's okay, babe. You just come home. You'll be okay. I'll go to, the, to Home Depot. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, thank you for going to Home Depot for me, but you don't understand what this, what this means to me. Like, yeah. I am not this type of person. What is going on? But anyway, that's yeah, my story. So but it, it hijacks Yeah. your life. Exactly.
1: And here's the hard part about it. The antidote to anxiety
0: mm-hmm.
1: is actually anxiety. Yeah. So
0: you can't <laughs> I'm going to get anxiety. You can't run away from it. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I can't do something because I'm going to have anxiety. So the anxiety, the the thought of having anxiety gave me anxiety and then I never did anything <laughs> about it. I just sat there and cried. But yeah, I mean, I I give myself credit actually for even doing the things I've been doing lately with my life because if you asked me Three or four years ago, hey, are you going to have a podcast And two? Yeah, right. No, I can't. You know, so it's, I've gotten through it. But it's
1: fabulous. <sighs> it takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? It does. It takes a lot of work and a lot of courage.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say exactly what I did, but I think I just worked on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, what I needed to do to get to the next step and, and help realize, help myself to realize that if you just keep walking, you're really not going to fall over. If you keep walking, okay, you fall over, great. Then they call 911. And then, you know, of course, then your mind goes crazy. But you just have to push through it. I think for me, that's what it was.
1: Well, it sounds like you also had, you had a history of not having anxiety,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so you had a foundation that you could refer back to. Yeah, you had to frame a frame of reference.
0: That's true. So
1: let's talk a second about people that don't have that. Mm-hmm. Let's say that somebody is born with a genetic predisposition for anxiety, mm-hmm. and then they're, let's say, they're overparented when they're young, mm-hmm. and so they don't build up their sense of self. Right. Don't build up their self-esteem. They don't take risks. They don't, you know, experience failure and pull themselves back up and realize they're going to be okay.
0: Right.
1: So that, in combination with their temperament, interacts. And they have a chronic anxiety Mm -hmm. disorder. So maybe they have social anxiety, or maybe they have OCD, or maybe Mm. they have generalized anxiety. Um, That creates a particularly challenging dynamic to overcome.
0: I could see that be very, being very challenging because I knew who I was before yeah. and that's how I knew I could get myself back to being who I was. Yeah, I, that's got to be really challenging. Yeah. So speaking of um, you know, being born with this type of disorder or having uh, being in a home maybe that's, that unintentionally supports being anxious, um, could, is there a way to say that you could identify exactly where anxiety comes from? Mm-hmm. I wish we could do that. Yeah, I tried always to figure mine out. (laughs) Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's clear
1: where Mm -hmm. it comes from. Um, Oftentimes it's quite clear if it's genetic because Mm -hmm. there's usually a family history. Mm -hmm. So usually one of your parents has anxiety or you have relatives that have anxiety. And also you may have grown up and from a very early age could look back or your parents could tell you yeah. that you were a highly sensitive individual so there are some people who are just born highly sensitive
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not all of those people end up with anxiety but they're predisposed because they're they're just they're ex- experiencing the world mm-hmm. differently than other people do. It's just more intense for them. Everything's right. more intense. Sounds are more intense. Things they're looking at, they're seeing col- even colors, wow. texture of fabrics. I mean, everything. So those are actually highly sensitive people. Then there are also people. There's this gene called a COMT gene mm-hmm. that actually um, regulates how quickly your brain gets back to baseline when you've been overstimulated. So when you get a stress response, mm-hmm. right, your brain produces this, this massive amount of dopamine. Well, some people have a gene that sucks that, that um, massive amount of stress hormone up very quickly, mm. and other people have a gene that dictates that it, it sucks it up very slowly. So the, wow. those individuals who have the gene that allows them to get back to baseline very quickly, we call those people warriors because they actually thrive under stress. Like they mm. will create stress in their lives. Wow! Um, they'll uh, because when they're they're stimulated that way, they perform better. Mm. When they're not stimulated that way, they don't. They don't perform very well. Right. Then you have the individuals that actually um, takes them longer to get back to baseline. Those individuals we call worriers mm. um, because they stay at an agitated level for a longer period of time, which puts them at greater risk for anxiety. Mm-hmm. So that's where you could see how stress becomes anxiety for individuals like Gotcha. That,
0: right? Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So um, now what's... What's interesting about that is worriers are actually much better at concentrating and, and staying focused on a task than the warriors are. So when the antidote for anxiety for worriers is to become an expert at what it is they're they're engaged in. So what that means is as they become more expert at a task or at a situation, they've, you know, or at life even,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they're able to regulate their stress response better, which allows them to stay focused better. Wow. Um, warriors, on the other hand, tend to need that additional stimulation. Okay. So, so for example... When you think about um, Navy SEALs, you know, those individuals that are trained to, you know, those men that are trained to perform at right. crazy stress levels, right? A lot of those guys are warriors. Mm. A lot of those guys <laughs> are actually predisposed for for anxiety. But when they're trained that way, they become much better at regulating themselves than do the individuals who tend to be warriors, what we wow. would consider warriors. so it's really quite interesting it is
0: um there's can some, you be tested for that gene i'm sure right or, i'm sure there can, yeah, yeah i'm sure
1: there's a way to test
0: for that yeah, yeah. that's interesting i was listening. i'm thinking to, about my family members <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and people i know like hmm, i wonder if they're warriors or warriors interesting
1: it's all—it's funny because when I am uh, speaking to a large group, you know, I'll, I'll ask who's, you know, who's warriors and who are, and know people self-identify very quickly. But the warriors are so proud of themselves Boy, they just raise their hand, and the warriors are like, oh, "I'm not sure I want to tell anybody." I'm yeah. a warrior. But the truth is that um, that the warriors actually have an advantage once they learn to regulate. Wow. Once they learn to control. Um, what we call in cognitive psychology, they're thought traps. Mm -hmm. So, And I don't know if you experienced this when you had your episode of anxiety, but getting stuck in, um, for example, fortune telling, which is when you look ahead and Mm -hmm. you actually, you know, irrationally believe that you know what's going to happen and it's not going to be good. Yeah. So you get stuck in this trap where you think about everything to death. You try to... Think about every possible thing that could go
0: wrong. Yep, I've um, done that Yeah, <laughs> a lot of times. I s- probably still do. If my husband doesn't call me back, I'm like, oh, my gosh, where is he? Oh, yes. He's driving. Oh, my gosh, where is he? I call him. I'm like, your phone, why didn't you answer? He's like, babe, I went to the grocery store. I'm like, no, you didn't tell me you were going. You need to come home. Yeah, I get like that still. Yeah. But so it's just the type of person I am. Yeah. yeah.
1: Perfectionism. Perfectionism is the root of anxiety. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you speak to that a little bit mm. more? <laughs>
1: This is a really, really big topic for me these days. Um, I have a whole talk on perfectionism and the pressure our kids are under to be perfect and how it's contributing to their mental health issues. Hmm. So when you... There are three different kinds of perfectionism. Okay. One is when you expect yourself to be perfect. One is when you expect other people to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And the other, and you can be all three, by the, by oh, the way. You can, be, okay. you can have the trifecta, which <laughs> many perfectionists do. Um, the third one is when you, you believe that other people expect you to be perfect. Mm. And that type of perfectionism in the last 15 years has grown exponentially in our younger population. So mm. here's the problem with it. Perfectionism is rooted in performance, right? Okay. And this is why it's coming out in our culture because we're a performance oriented culture. We're measuring our kids, measuring ourselves. Mm. We have social media. Everybody is measuring us, judging us, right. uh, criticizing us, right? Mm
0: hmm.
1: So, in order, if you're a perfectionist, you believe that it's, it's irrational, but you believe that it's possible. Mm -hmm. to be perfect Mm. and so when you're not which is all the time because none of us can be perfect or when you're striving to be perfect and you're not reaching it you're creating stress and anxiety in your life chronic stress and anxiety in your life wow um and if you're to be young right now to be a child right now growing up in the culture that we're raising our children in oh my
0: Gosh, it's really I'm challenging.
1: With these teenagers uh, that are oh. coming through, and it is just brutal. It's and that's one of the reasons why we're seeing the rate of anxiety go up significantly mm-hmm. in our younger population, and yeah. everything that comes along with that, like depression, like suicide,
0: right? The other um, factors,
1: difficulty launching, you know, all that kind of stuff.
0: Wow, I know it's really scary to think about it. When you think about these little kids, and it's really, you know, it could be, it could be hard to be, a, you know, a parent in this world and, and hear those types of uh, statistics. Yeah. It's got to be really scary. 2020 is here, listeners. Back in December, I hosted a goal-setting workshop called Vision 2020. The event was such a success, I decided to host the event again this month. If you missed December's Vision 2020, don't fret. You can join me on Tuesday, January 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. at Bohemian High in Milford. At Vision 2020, you will be introduced and brought through a detailed goal-setting guide to assist you in creating a perfect goal for you. Your goal will be packed with action steps and tools to overcome obstacles and fears. Because what you see is what you think about, we will end our session with vision board making. To learn more about this event, you can visit my website at amyabraham.com backslash events. Vision 2020, January 28th from 6 to 8 p.m. at Bohemian High in Milford. Be sure to tell your friends about it and invite them too. So, what do we do? What is your (laughs) advice? If we are having that anxious moment, or if we're feeling, we're, you know, going through that fortune teller, you know, wheel like you were talking about. Is, any tips? What could we do to kind of get to the other side?
1: Yeah.
0: Is there, is there a yes. magic pill? Well, <laughs> here's what's so cool about living in the, the day and age that we do good stuff
1: about it is mm-hmm. that anxiety is treatable. It really is.
0: Good news. It's, good it's, news. <laughs> it
1: is treatable. It's not, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work a mm-hmm. lot of hard work to treat anxiety so first off let's start with stress if you're stressed um do something about it
0: mm-hmm i agree
1: identify your problems identify your issues and do something about them
0: mm-hmm. all
1: right we we live in such a stressful world so one of one of my tried and true suggestions is to get off social media.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Get off social media. If you find yourself chronically stressed, take a break. Mm-hmm. Get off social media because you will be shocked at how much it's contributing to your stress. We never stop. We never take the time to integrate how we're feeling and what we're thinking, mm-hmm. to process what we're feeling. We're constantly...
0: Do you think that social media, the content that we're looking at or the act of just escaping? Both. Both. Okay.
1: Both.
0: Yeah. Because I could see what, you, what you're saying. You know, I, I sometimes, you know, I, when I'm on social media, I'm, I catch myself. I'm like, what are you doing? Go make dinner. Or get off your phone. You know, you missed out on this great conversation with your husband or something. And then there's other times, too, with what you we were just saying about social media influencing perfectionism. So I could see, you know, definitely get off the phones, except don't don't get off the phone. Listen to my podcast. Uh-oh. Well, this is
1: wonderful to do, right, right to listen right. to things like this, and there's so much wonderful content out there. Mm-hmm.
0: You just have to be thoughtful about the time. I There's this quote. I'm reading Marie Forleo. I don't know if you know who she is. Um, she says, create before you consume. Oh, and I love that. I just read that, like, last week. And I think it's great. You know, I feel like, you know, before I can sit and relax and go through my phone, I want to make sure that I've done all of my tasks or I've created something or I edited something. And I like that, you know, um, and I work and I think in my brain too, to work for your reward. I'm, I'm a, um, I'm a reward oriented type of person. I work, I do X, Y, and Z. And then I make sure all of my tasks are done before I can relax, but I do make time to relax. I do find that time. I don't, Work, 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 work. That's but,
1: good. Yeah. It's really, really healthy. Because if you don't, your nervous system is jacked up mm-hmm. all the time, right? Yeah. So just a few more comments about social media. Yes, go ahead. Uh, and that is that don't fool yourself into thinking that you're connecting when you're on social media. <laughs>
0: yep. Because you're not. Yeah.
1: That's why we have a loneliness epidemic in this country. That's why we have an anxiety disorder epidemic in this country. Mm-hmm. Because... Being on social media is not connecting.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And 99.9% of what's on social media is either meaningless or it's not real. Right. So you're spending your time in this digital world that, when all is said and done, has no meaning to it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I mean, when you're on your deathbed, are you really going to be thinking about, oh gosh, I wish I'd (laughs) spend more time on Facebook or Instagram or something? No, you're going to say, why didn't I spend more time having dinner with my family? Why didn't I call my friend and have an actual conversation?
0: Instead of just liking their picture. Yeah. Yep. I hear you.
1: We need that processing. We need that connection. Mm -hmm. And when we're going through really stressful times, the antidote, to the pain and suffering of life is connection, real mm-hmm. connection.
0: I agree, authentic yes. Authentic
1: connection. So so when you're stressed, yes. your po- <laughs> identify and solve your problems, connect with people that are in your inner circle, true connection, um, those kinds of things. If you're if you're all, let's say somebody's listening to this and they already know that they've, they have an anxiety disorder, so they know that they have chronic anxiety and it's, it's affecting the quality of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, get professional help
0: mm-hmm.
1: because this is it's a journey,
0: yeah,
1: and it's just really important to do it with professional support. But you need to find the right person. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that is, go to somebody who does CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. It's incredibly. Um, Effective when it comes to learning to deal with anxiety, okay. um, DBT as well, dialectic behavioral therapy. Um, uh, go to somebody who is going to help you on your own do exposure therapy, because the clinical environment when it comes to anxiety is limited. Mm. You, I can teach you tools. Right. But unless you practice those tools, and you practice them a lot, mm-hmm. it's not going to change for you. Right. So you, the first step in dealing with your anxiety is raising your level of consciousness, which is just simple recognition um, that I'm caught in a thought trap right now. I know it's irrational. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's that's the first step. And then the step, second step is understanding... Um, what it means to be stuck there, and what you do about it. Mm. So, um, what you don't want to do is you don't want to avoid. You don't mm. want to get in a pattern of avoidance and denial, because whatever you focus, you, you're not going to be able to not focus on your anxiety. It and it because yep. you're, you know, it's yeah. just, it's very insidious
0: mm-hmm.
1: and. You need help learning how to move through it and not get stuck in it because the more you get stuck in it, same thing is true of depression the longer you spend in it, the bigger it gets. The bigger right. it gets, the more difficult it is, mm-hmm. the more impact it has in your life.
0: So, um, I guess that's why every Saturday or Sunday I made sure I went to the grocery store no matter what.
1: See, <laughs> that's the kind of courage I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: I met yeah. with you a couple of years ago and. And I said, oh, what do I do? And you're like, just push through. And I'm like, what does that mean? But now I know, just push through. And yeah. you have to do the things that you're afraid of. That yeah. I, it helped me.
1: And you talked, you talked earlier about reward as well. Mm. So setting rewards in place is also mm-hmm. really important. Having people to also give you that validation and those rewards. Expect very small increments mm-hmm. of change. So you're not going to experience change to begin with. And it's right. going to be frustrating. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, you, you're, you're going to want to turn around and run. Right. You have to just be <laughs> persistent. Um, because yes. that's really the only alternative. Now, you want... You want to honor yourself in that process as well. So, mm-hmm. so I've gotten a really good question at some of my talks about anxiety, and that is, can you push too hard? And the answer is absolutely you can push too hard. Yeah. So you want to be very kind and gentle with yourself. This is a marathon.
0: That's great advice. This
1: is not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And if you have an anxiety disorder, it's likely going to go with you through your life. Mm -hmm. When your defenses are down, it's going to be a little more challenging to deal with. Um, So there's something that that we call radical acceptance that I think is really important when it comes to having anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that is that getting to a point where you can accept it where right. you can literally embrace it. Because here's what it means. You are a very sensitive individual. And because of that, you could be very special. So I, I was listening to a podcast. Um, this was about a month ago. And it was um, it's actually Guy Raz uh, from NPR. And mm-hmm. he, he does this How I Built This. And it's all about entrepreneurs and building businesses. Oh, great. But what's interesting about it is that um, he, he talks to people about their you know their temperance and this one guy was talking about a lot of these individuals who've become very, very successful had anxiety and mm-hmm. depression and this one guy was saying, you know I'm convinced that having a mental mm-hmm. health condition is a benefit when you understand it, when you accept it, and when you treat it, obviously, so that it doesn't create too right. much pain and suffering. I
0: can see where that where he's coming from. Can you? Yeah, because I feel like now, if that's the worst thing I might ever experience, it's not that bad, because I got through it, and here I am. And I'm probably not going to quit my job and drive cross-country again. <laughs> um, maybe I'll make sure I have a better plan if I choose to do that. But now I know that, if it gets really, really crappy, I know I can still push through and I can get through it. So yeah. I definitely see where he's coming from there. Yeah. With that point of view. So
1: embrace mm-hmm. embrace that part of you. Yeah. That it, it does create some suffering. Resilience. And yeah, but it, it also creates this grit and this resilience mm-hmm. and also this ability to connect to other people's suffering, mm. which is something that is so renewing for us as human beings, yeah. to be able to connect to other people's suffering, like that whole Buddhist philosophy of knowing that, you know, life is suffering, mm-hmm. and we're sitting here today. I'm sitting with this beautiful
0: young woman who's doing this really <laughs>
1: cool podcast. Stop. Right? It's so true. Thank you.
0: No, I'm praising you today. Oh, yeah.
1: no! And, and I'm honored to be here with you. And there are all these other people out in the world that are, some are suffering in this moment. Some are doing something similar to what we're doing that's very rewarding and fulfilling. And mm-hmm. and, and when you have experienced the suffering that comes along with anxiety... You have the ability to connect mm-hmm. to other people mm-hmm. in a different way. Yeah. And I look at that as a gift. I mean, that is a gift.
0: Way to flip the script. That's great idea. <laughs> this is a gift we have here. No, I agree. I, I definitely hear what you're saying about that. I think... You know, in my profession, I'm, I have to be empathetic 24-7, wh- you know, working with children. And I think having this, you know, having experienced anxiety, working with children every day, I know that I can support them in ways that I probably might not have been able to in the past. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. So I know you were talking about making sure that your anxiety is treated, and seeking professional help um, is one of your top tips. But what if um, you don't, you know, what are the, what are the consequences if, if you have anxiety and it goes untreated and it gets, keeps building up, like you were saying? Wow.
1: I mean, it's just, well, look, the consequences are significant. Mm-hmm. So you're at a much greater risk for depression. Yep. Uh, those two tend to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You're at a much greater risk for chronic illness because uh, anxiety wears you down Physically, it wears your immune mm-hmm. system down. Uh, all those all those stress hormones, because you're in fight or flight a lot. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, the only way to really release all of that is to exercise, by the way. Oh, so yes. Exercise is critically important. If you have anxiety, you need to exercise. That's mm-hmm. so, so important. You don't have to be a marathon or just You just
0: go gotta move your walk. body. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. But, um,. Yeah,
1: so, uh, so greater risk for uh, other mental health issues, mm-hmm. greater risk for chronic illness. Um, there is some preliminary research that is suggesting that chronic stress and anxiety actually causes damage to your hippocampus, which is where a lot of the stress hormones tend to congregate. Mm-hmm. That's your central processing unit. You don't want to lose that. Mm. You don't want to lose brain cells there because as you grow older you're naturally going to lose some Mm -hmm. so you want to kind of start with a little more (laughs) yeah keep them
0: as long as you can
1: (laughs) exactly so there's a chance that um that stress chronic stress and anxiety over long periods of time could put you at risk for dementia later in life
0: Mm. oh my goodness
1: anxiety has a way of disconnecting us which, um, which is very unhealthy. Right.
0: We want the opposite. Um, we want to be connected.
1: It it causes um, cognitive issues.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it makes processing difficult. It causes problems with memory. If you if you're young and you have a developing brain, you obviously want to have it treated. Mm. Um, because you don't want those stress hormones influencing the development of some of those really key areas of the brain, like your prefrontal cortex and your hippocampus, and um, it can affect speed of processing, Mm -hmm. so it's, it it really, you know, it really is Scrooge that we want to pay attention to.
0: Right.
1: Can we talk a second about medication? Sure. Because I think that this is, so medication is awesome. Um, but it had, that decision to go on medication has to be, um, taken very carefully. Um, let's first talk about adults and medication. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes if you've had anxiety, chronic anxiety for a long period of time, you might need some medication to take the edge off in order to get at it because it's mm-hmm. got its claws in you. Yeah,
0: I can see that. Um, so
1: yeah, so that's what you want to use medication for. Some people um, have major depressive disorders and anxieties and outgrowth of that and they may need to be on medication indefinitely, maybe even the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Certainly there are those individuals. Um, Oftentimes though, what you can do is you can go on a medication for a period of time, work with uh, a therapist, and eventually either come down on that medication or get off that medication. Mm -hmm. You have the tools. Right. You may need to go back on it during really stressful times in your life. Okay. Um, Now, having said that, medication is not the answer. So if you have chronic Mm -hmm. anxiety or an anxiety disorder, you want to work with a clinician in addition to medication. Mm -hmm. Because medication isn't going to take care of the
0: anxiety. It's just a band-aid. Right, yeah. kind of theory, and yeah, yeah, so it's like a tool, but you need more than just that, you do, yeah, and
1: some of the medications that um like clonopin, like xanax, those medications, when taken chronically, actually shut down the brain in the sense that the brain learns that it doesn't have to take care of your anxiety response chemically mm. because the medication, the pill's doing that for you, okay. So what happens then is if you try to get off of those medications, the anxiety rears up in a big, big way. Right. So you just want to be really, really careful and go to someone who's very, very good. Right. Now, in terms of children Mm. and anxiety,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you want to go extremely cautiously towards medication. If you go to a clinician and the first thing they say to you is, yeah, we want to put your teenager on antidepressant medication... Uh, go to somebody else because <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of things that can be done, particularly in these younger years when these individuals are still so malleable, right? right. Um, to address the the issue, so you've got to go down that road first mm-hmm. uh, before you go down the road of medication. If you have a child who is suicidal has major depressive disorder, can't get out of bed, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in an extreme Extreme. situation. Of course. Of course. Right. Then you've got to consider medication. Mm -hmm. But in the great majority of cases in this day and age, what the kids are experiencing is chronic stress Mm -hmm. that is starting to turn into anxiety, Mm -hmm. and it has to do with the pressure they're under. It has to do with the way they're thinking about things. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And there's so much more we could do about that that we don't need medication for.
0: Right. That's a good point to make because a lot of people, you know, think that they, you know, that they can just take a pill and they'll be fine, but, you know. You're not doing the work. Right. And then you you won't be fine in the long run. No. Yeah. No, that's great advice. In one or two sentences, how does treating anxiety support a blissful life? Uh, (laughs)
1: Well, anxiety robs you of your joy. Mm-hmm. Just like depression robs you of your joy, it really does It creates yeah. a barrier between you and your life, between you and your loved ones and your relationships mm-hmm. and so you i mean you you have a responsibility to treat it right because you're missing out on your bliss. You are absolutely missing out on your bliss when you're when you're stuck in that hole.
0: Mm -hmm. No matter how hard it is, just keep trying.
1: Yeah, you just got you got to get your team together. Yep, you got to have the team of support and keep working on it.
0: Yeah, and I say keep working on it because for me, I think it was about two or three years where I was really stuck. And I would be driving down the road, and then for no reason I'd be feeling uncomfortable. And you know, I just I had my ways of getting through it, but you know, I had to figure that out on my own, yeah. or you know, with team and support. But you know, it's something that it's definitely worth treating because there's so much more you can do in the aftermath of it. And to sit here and say that I'm cured is not true. I mean, there are times where you know, if I'm if um, coffee sometimes i'm drinking decaf right now but you know caffeine would give me that same feeling so i just stopped drinking coffee or caffeine and that really helped so you just have to start one step at a time and i thought maybe that you know not drinking caffeine would help and i was right you know but it wasn't like one day you know it came it was better no you have to work for it and and i love my decaf coffee now because i can still (laughs) sit here and be calm (laughs) um so, listeners, in my first episode, as you know, I asked myself seven questions. Before we began, I showed Dr. Farrell the seven questions, and she chose to answer. Do you or your family have a motto?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, we do. Um, and our motto is, and we actually stole this off of a, um, a baseball cat that my husband saw online. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it's um, it's keep a go.
0: Hmm.
1: I like that, and 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 it means keep a go. Yeah. Like, and we'll say it. We'll say it to one another. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll say, you know, you're having a tough day, and you're not, you know, maybe you're, you know, you're really struggling, or you're going through some difficult times in your life, or you're facing a challenge, or mm-hmm. you're afraid, or whatever might be going on. You just keep a go. I love that. Keep a go because if you keep a go. It's right. gonna work out, right? Like, it, it, and people will always say, "I um, I can't handle it," <laughs> right? I can't mm-hmm. handle it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we and we, we you know we, we feel that way right. when we're up against it, right? My my question to them is when my clients say, "I can't handle it,"
0: mm-hmm.
1: I say, "Well, what have you not handled? Because you're sitting right here, right? You've handled now. It may not be pretty."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it it may end up you know you may end up failing if there is such a thing which I don't believe in failing but mm-hmm. um, you know you may end up feeling like you you may end up feeling like you failed uh, you may create some more issues in your life I mean it, it, all right we don't know what's gonna happen but the point is that you are gonna
0: handle it right.
1: Ultimately you are gonna handle it. If you keep a go. <laughs> if you keep a go, mm-hmm. you are gonna handle it.
0: Yeah. So That's great. Yeah. I'm gonna we, steal it from you. Oh, absolutely. Keep a go. Keep
1: a go. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And there was you know, you there was another question that um that you asked. It's like if you were gonna pick would you drive
0: a car, ride a horse ride a
1: horse or ride a bike. Or ride a bike. And, and I wanted to just touch on that because I think, mm-hmm. for me, it's related to that whole idea of keep-a-go, right? Mm. So I would ride a horse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the reason is because a horse is a living thing mm-hmm. that's connected to the earth. And to be on a horse and to feel that energy and mm-hmm. to, to um, be connected... To another living thing like that, that yeah and that can be thrilling and provide you transportation and and um and is so beautiful and mm-hmm. to me a moment like that is a keep-a-go moment like if you keep a go you get on the ho- you're on the horse mm-hmm. and you get to stay on the horse right and that that's kind of how I like to live my life I like to live my life on the horse
0: yeah Uh,
1: because I don't uh, yeah I just I just want to be connected to life like that
0: now that you are saying this I I totally see where you're coming from with being connected and I recently rode a horse on our honeymoon and I loved it I know I enjoyed the, the experience in the back of my mind I was thinking a little bit more I'm not sure if you know but I'm vegan so you know I was on the horse and I'm like oh my goodness should I be doing this or not but you know in the moment I was really enjoying it and you know being connected to the horse like you said was really exciting and and it felt it felt really beautiful so I definitely agree with you on that and to to,
1: you know the horse is bigger than us yeah it's more powerful than we are Mm -hmm. and yet we can get on it and right. I, I'm not an equestrian,
0: trust me. <laughs> I mean, I've ridden
1: horses, and, you know, we did a dude ranch and all that, and yeah. I'm, I'm not great on a horse. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing, really. <laughs> but you still felt. But I still got on it. Yeah. Right? So that's the other thing. Just think about the first time mm. you get on top of that horse. Right. It's like it's the way you feel is the way you feel when you do everything the first time. Yeah. It's the way you felt that you don't remember but it's the way you felt when you rolled over for the first time and you realized you weren't going to fall. Mm. Or when you got up and you tried to take your first step. Right. Or you had your first kiss. Or, yeah. You know, it's it's that same feeling.
0: Yeah, that excitedness. Yeah,
1: and yeah. I, this thing is bigger than me, and I don't know what it's going to be like, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do it anyway. Right?
0: Yeah, no, and, that's awesome. And that's,
1: that's the challenge with anxiety, is I'm going to do it anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a great connection. When
1: you do it anyway, it subsides, that anxiety subsides, and as it subsides, the joy fills in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You feel energized. And my clients that I work with that have anxiety disorders that, you know, they'll go out and they'll find their courage and they'll go to the grocery store Mm -hmm. and they'll, you know, they'll do something that they're terrified. And
0: they come in so pumped up. <laughs> oh, God, I know. I did it, I'm so I proud did of myself. It. I know. I remember calling my mom and telling her, I went to the grocery store and I did it. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Mom, don't you remember? She's like, oh, I knew you could. Ugh. You're fine, you know. She's just encouraging me. But yeah, I was so proud. She's Ugh. like, Yeah, she thought it was such a small accomplishment, but for me, it was such a big deal. It was huge. Yeah.
1: It was so huge. And the alternative was that you... You don't go to the grocery store. And maybe then you can't go to the grocery store. Ever again. Right?
0: Yeah. And then your life
1: starts to become narrower and smaller mm-hmm. and narrower.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. Well, there's lots we can still talk about. Oh. But I want to thank you so much for thank your time. You. This has been extremely informing. And I'm sure the listeners would like me to thank you for your advice. And if people would like to learn more about you or connect with you, where can they find you?
1: Um, my website, which is alishafarrellphd.com. Um, and then they can always call me, 860 575 Okay,
0: okay um, great. Yeah, yeah. Anywhere in the world they can call you? Anywhere. Right? Anywhere, yeah? Anywhere, okay, yeah. great. Yeah, because you can do um, like Skype or something like that and yeah. meet with people. That would be great yeah well thank you again
1: yeah thank you for having me this has been so much fun a
0: lot of fun appreciate it I revisited a lot of things I haven't talked about in a while so that was nice for Um, me too thank
1: you for sharing your experiences because I'm sure your listeners find that to be very powerful it's it's such a wonderful example of how you can heal right
0: yeah well I'm still working on it but I'm definitely better than where I was a couple of years ago yeah that's
1: awesome thank you